Hey there, you're listening to The Voice Work, a podcast featuring interviews and discussions and experiences for those curious about getting to know their voice. I'm your host, Lisa Pierce. Let's get started. Today's guest is Jane McFarlane. Jane is a voice coach and teacher who lives in Calgary, Alberta. She teaches voice and acting at the University of Calgary, is the resident voice coach for Theatre Calgary, the voice and dialect consultant for Vertigo Theatre, and the voice and text coach for the Shakespeare Company. Along with her theatre work, she teaches the techniques to anyone who wants to feel stronger and more confident in their voice and presence. What are some of the challenges introducing newcomers to the practice? I think it's really about asking them to take that leap of faith and to just sort of go with me because it's so outside their experience right? Even if, like some of them will say, I've had singing. I'll go, okay, well, that's a, that's a start. This is not that. It is the same mechanism, but I don't, I don't want you to sing. I want you to think of it as, this is how I speak. This is how I express myself. And so finding that connection to the breath, even just finding grounding, right? Even just getting, getting that feeling of your feet on the ground, those are the things that sort of blow people's minds in almost immediately. Well, it seems to change everything, doesn't it? It does. It does. Like it re- reframes how you stand. Yes. And it makes you present in a way that we don't tend to be because we spend so much time sitting, especially right now, and you know, driving in our cars and things like that. And we don't think when we go to speak, when we go to, I don't know if it's in front of a boardroom full of people or you're a public speaker or whatever, you don't think about your legs. <laughs> you know, you don't think about them as being a part of the game. And then it becomes a game changer for them when they start to feel that energy holding them up and that their breath is then supported and to feel just to feel that makes them feel more alive and present in the moment makes them feel like they can actually understand where their breath is going and how to release it that's the other thing that's the big one right is the breathe in hold and then exhale yeah to not interrupt the actual breath cycle which we're so good at doing. Oh, at UBC, I can remember whenever I would listen when I was on stage, I realized I was not breathing at all. Right, right. It, on stage. <laughs> right. Had to, I can remember quite well, I'm, I'm not breathing at all. I'm like totally locked, but I'm listening. I'm working so hard yes, to listen. I'm showing you I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually go, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I can actually breathe there. It yeah. was... That was one of the first big wake-ups, I think. I had no idea. Yes. I clenched so much. Yes. And that listening is not just about what I'm receiving from the person who's speaking to me, but is the listening and the feeling of my reaction to it. This idea of, of being present. I have this, this suspicion that I witness in people that being present is intimidating. That this, that this practice makes people feel a lot more than they're used to or conditioned to. And so they turn up the volume on the feedback from inside. And mm-hmm. I think that is potentially intimidating. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes people go, Whoa, I'm, 
I don't know if I can go with you here because I'm getting a lot of feedback that I don't normally get. Yes. And, and I'm mainly thinking about not performers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actors, if you're working with me, you got to go with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Right. But even new people who want to be actors yeah. and are like so starstruck, like I worked Vancouver film school for a while and they're so starstruck that they have no idea what they're getting into. And then they get into voice class and they're freaked out. Well, and I think it becomes that moment of acknowledging, you know, look, what's the first thing you do when you're nervous? You go, <gasps> or when you feel emotional, you <gasps> stop it, right? I remember a gazillion years ago now, I had a student at Mount Royal when it was still Mount Royal College. And she said to me, why am I not getting this? What's going on? And I said, well, I don't need the, I don't need this answer, but you need to answer for yourself. Who told you to shut up? And then she came back the next week. She was like, oh my God, I thought about it all weekend and I figured it out. Right. And then she could actually breathe. But I think it is about, we are so conditioned to control what it is we're feeling that we, we don't allow the breath to actually engage. Because if we engage the breath, if we move the diaphragm, we actually start to feel kinesthetically and we've stopped ourselves from feeling that. So it feels so overwhelming. And the very act is a physical release when you start to let the breath go. And then emotions come with that and memories and... And just the uncomfortableness of being alive. It's so interesting how we just want to shut that being present off. It's so much easier to just go, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And we're not allowed to be vulnerable, right? So I talk about Brene Brown a lot and the power of vulnerability, right? And that, that's actually our superpower. If we can breathe and feel that stuff then I think we can actually move the work forward and then we're allowed to be present. We're allowed to be seen. And I also think that's a part of it too about standing in your truth. You have to let the breath in your body. You have to feel your feet on the floor. And then there is, there is ease and access to the breath that allows you to be present in yourself and with others. I love that you use Brene Brown. That's excellent. I use it all the time and I tell people to read it all the time. That's excellent because she's yeah. so topical. She has such an audience and she yeah. has a lot of people who trust her. And so yeah. as far as building a, a conversation place where people can start to contextualize what actually happens in vocal presence work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's great. I also find, though, it's interesting, I think because, uh, you know, our background is theater, people expect, like, people who are not coming into it to be actors, who people who are coming to me because they just want to, they want to be heard. They're hilarious. They sort of give me a bit more license because, oh, well, she's in theater. <laughs> you know, she's going to ask me to do something weird. <laughs> like, I had these two guys in my classes last year. They were senior managers for Atco Gas, you know, the gas company in Alberta and they one of them oh, I just love Wayne so great he said this is the weirdest thing I've ever done but I love it it's so off the beaten path like it's not meditation it's not yoga but it's all it's not self-help but it's all those things little bits you know and 
And that there's in, in so many ways, and maybe this is a bit of the Brene Brown thing too, in so many ways for me, it's not about right or wrong. It's about where you're at, right? If you can't articulate where you're at and what you're feeling, that's your truth. And now we know where to work from and now we know where to go. So yay. Yeah, it's like there's almost this idealized place we imagine we're supposed to be and, and that we're far from it. And the voice work is about just trying to be where you're at as opposed to try to get somewhere. Well, I always felt when we were at school that the voice work was supposed to be something magical and I wasn't getting it. How ironic, hey? We all are able to use it the same way actors do if they really want to, right? If they want to find some way of expressing it. And it's not about being able to cry on demand. It's not that, right? But it's about if you have something to say, you will be passionate about it and there will be emotional color behind what you're saying. But you have to let your voice just do it don't try and make it do something just let yourself go to that place that you're feeling and your voice will support that your voice will reveal that and then then your audience will get it too whoever your audience is i just felt like if i didn't grasp this concept i couldn't be an actor is how I felt. And that if I could unlock this key of whatever the voice work, what this special magical thing was, then I'd be an actor. Right. Interesting. So you're always waiting for it to be, be something magical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and surprisingly, when you, like, I feel it's, it puts me in touch with some wonderfulness of the universe, right? When you get, when I get really involved in the concept of expansion and contraction or uh, one of the experiences, the invite flow. And I, and I think about the universal, the universality of these concepts. That's it. And I think that's where, what's actually magical and special about it, that it's not something outside of ourselves and that we all actually have that magic within us, right? It is our humanity. So that's all that I was saying. There is nothing magical about it. What's magical is each of us in it. That's it. Embracing it and becoming conscious of it. I think that's the other thing to be able to witness it in maybe with the present moment. Yes. And I don't I, my approach to it is not esoteric at all. It is very technical in a lot of ways. It's very practical because then anybody can embrace it. It's like looking at the bones of a skeleton, right? You can sort of go, oh, okay, I can see where I am in that, I, right? Making the voice work a very tangible, practical process as you move through it and the body starts to respond, then the natural human magic comes into it because you begin to feel, right? You become cognizant of things and you can express yourself. So my approach to it is, is not esoteric at all. It's almost like I'm getting in the picture of a skeleton and anatomy and the layers of structure that we have in our body. And it's sort of trusting that structure, those structures that they're all communicating at at any given moment, our ideas, our thoughts, sometimes we block or are conditioned to block, but it's sort of waking up the connection so that you can just let the body structure do what it wants to do. Mm -hmm. And you have to trust that impulse, right? Of what it wants. 
trust the impulse and it will take you where it needs to go. But I think we've learned to distrust. We've learned to distrust the body. It's like Ken Robinson says in his TED talk about, you know, creativity, that our bodies have become these things to just carry our heads around to meetings. But once we start to feel something from below the neck, I think what we have to say is clearer. It's more articulate. It's richer. What we need to say is more full all of that stuff. It, it affects people very differently. We listen differently. So it's like practicing how to communicate from below the head. Well, and the idea, so many people think that it's just, it just has to deal with the vocal folds and with the vocal tract, right? And when I say to them, no, 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 it, that, all that is pitch and range. It has nothing to do with that, really. That's just vibration. But It's more like an iceberg, right? What's above the water is the words, but what's below the water is how you're expressing it, right? And that is a physical, visceral response, both for the speaker and for the listener. I I want to transition to another question because I'm thinking about it right now. We're talking about all this physicality and all the layers of communication, online teaching and the voice practices. In what ways do you think online platform is serving the practice? The two ways I'm approaching it, I I felt lucky when quarantine hit because I'd already laid in all the technique in my classes. So then we just started to reinforce the work. It allowed us an opportunity to continue to do it right? So even though we were isolated, it did still give us a sense of connection. And it was funny, like I could tell when they were grounded or not, even though I couldn't see them physically, I could tell, I would say, you know, you know, can you feel your feet on your bedroom floor? No. (laughs) Right. So that was, that was good. And now I've started running the voice classes on Monday mornings over Zoom. It's still working as I'm guiding people through. So they're, they're taking themselves through the practice. So that's good. And I've started working with the transgender community. And that is a learning, a sharp learning curve for me, not because of the community, because I've been working with the community for some time, but introducing the work from square one without anybody having any context for the work, right? Because even if you're a first-year theater student, you're not going to have the context for the work, right? So it's it's making me be very clear, very particular on how I'm laying out the work. So it's going quite slowly, but it's making me be as clear as possible as I'm going through the process with them. So I don't know if that's necessarily how it's being served online, but that's how it's working online. (laughs) Did you work with them prior to isolation? Not this group. I've not seen them before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a brand new group of people who have not done the work at all before, right? But I've done the work face-to-face. Yeah, and are you working within a group or is it one-on-one? Yeah, this is the first time I've actually done a group. But it doesn't, but then the interesting thing is it doesn't provide, it doesn't feel like a group because they are all in their own spaces, 
right? So it does sort of allow us to, you know, they can turn their camera off and do what they need to do while I'm working them through it, right? Yeah, it does support a different sort of privacy, I think. It does. Because I remember in the process, the big thing for me when I was learning was being guided with witnesses. <laughs> I get that. It was really difficult for me to show up. And in fact, I did, I think my body went into many different reactions to try and not share within the group so vulnerably or honestly. Right, which brings us back to presence. <laughs> I can't run! <laughs> You can't. And, and then it's having personal faith. And I think that's actually the hardest is that we'll forgive others, but we won't forgive ourselves. We're always our hardest critics on ourselves, I think. Yeah, maybe that's why being present is so tough. Because you're always kind of judging or, I mean, some people more than others, but yeah. And yet, here I am still, or here, here we are still revisiting and showing up. And I think there's an incredible gift within it all. It's the risk taking of it and the feeling after you've released. And I know like for myself in class, when I was the student, I'm rarely the student anymore. That feeling of, of being seen was so freeing. And so, you know, then I would just have this torrent tears because I was so relieved I let let it all go right and it was never out of sadness it was never out of grief it was out of relief <laughs> yeah I think when I think about why I went to acting it was just to be seen to be heard having resolved some of those see me see me hear me that that intense desperate need to be heard and now I'm more relaxed and I kind of don't care so much if people hear me. I'm more interested in just, you know, letting it happen so that I can feel the benefits of being in the flow and all that. It's just such a, it's such a great place to be able to be a student again after you've had so many miles of exploration. I haven't gone there, but I touched on the Roy Hart work at Banff with Richard Armstrong and it was so great. It was, and it made a connection to me because, you know, our backgrounds are both an extension of the Linkletter work. And I felt like it made sense to sort of go from the Linkletter work to the Roy Hart work. It, like, it feels like a really connected progression through there. Whereas other pedagogies, I don't know that they necessarily fit together, but that one is a really natural progression. I think I love that stuff. Yeah, I think for me, the link later was so structured. And I know one of the concepts that I still puzzle a bit, but I still like is the let the breath drop down. I, I mean, it's it's kind of ingrained on my cells, but that's link later work. But it feels to me like the breath dropping down. Yes, it creates the need for the pelvis to open and the diaphragm to have freedom and to let the the navel relax, the whole middle of you, I think allows, it kind of sets a stage for the potential opening that can happen. But it it's confusing as well, because yes, the breath drops down, but the whole body moves. It doesn't just drop down. And I think I got so fixed on the breath dropping down that I kind of lost sense of the 
sides and the front and the top. And so that the, the whole breathing is whole body event that can be felt everywhere, not just dropping down with the direct force. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, my reaction against it in a way, not against it, but I think that's why I go into the structure because, you know, well, knowledge is power, isn't it? They have a freedom within themselves to feel what their body is doing. And so then they understand what the dropping down is. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a designated link letter teacher because I'm not going to be bound to as wonderful as I think the work is. And it is my foundation. And as thorough as I think she is, I'm not going to parrot her words back to her. So I didn't go down that road. Do you have a little experience for beginners? So you just be where you're at, stand where you're at. Take the breath in through the nose and out through the mouth on an F. And just let your mind be the passenger for that breath. And feel like you're sitting in the passenger seat of a car and feel where the breath is going to. I'm allowing for the breath pattern to be the inhale in and the exhale out. And if there's any pause or suspension in the breath, it comes between the end of the exhale and the impulse to breathe back in again. And keep this breath going while you lift your toes up towards the ceiling and feel the weight under the ball of the big toe and stretch out to the ball of the little toe. The toes are still up. Let go of your glutes. Unlock your knees. Keep the breath dropping into the belly, still breathing in, and then put your toes down wide and just feel what you can feel under your feet. Sometimes you can feel a little bit more of the outside of your foot. Keeping the toes spread wide, bend your knees and bring your heels up and your weight balanced over the ball of the big toe and the ball of the little toe. Let the breath drop in, unlock those glutes. Still breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth on that F. And then put your heels down wide. Now your knees are still bent. Feel the ball of the big toe, ball of the little toe, front of the heel. Feel your foot on the floor. Let the breath drop in. And then push up from the arch of your foot to straighten your legs. Let the breath drop in and out. Feel the engagement in the legs. Feel the strength in the legs underneath you. Feel the solid, rooted, grounded energy through the legs and the freedom. Then let the breath float up. Let the body float up and away. So you're moving in two directions. The legs are going down as the spine is floating up. And the breath is still in and out through that. Yeah. That's my treat. Excellent. Well, I really feel the strength of the the structure. Yeah. And the freedom. Oh, good. I can you open up the let the mind follow the you started to talk about on the exhale on the F, let the mind be a passenger? Through the whole breath cycle. So as you start to breathe in through your nose. Just follow the breath. But you're not driving the breath. The breath is driving itself. You're just a passenger. So think of yourself if you're a passenger in a car and you're watching out the window. So on the next breath, it's the same thing. You're just following along. Where is the breath going on that road? 
and then inhale exhale you're just the passenger lovely thank you we all need to be a little bit more grounded sometimes (laughs) thank you so much well thanks for this lisa it's great to chat with you Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell someone, or better yet, leave a review. If you didn't, well, shush. And if you want to be a part of the Voice Work podcast, send me a message. Take good care.